HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The James Beard Foundation is a nonprofit with the mission to celebrate, nurture, and honor chefs and other leaders, making America's food culture more delicious, diverse, and sustainable for everyone. And right now, it's working to respond to the dire situation the food and beverage community is in due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Restaurants, bars, and other independent food and beverage operations are often on the front lines of community revival. The majority of culinary community businesses have less than 500 employees, but collectively this industry generates $1 trillion a year, 60% of which is pumped back into their local business communities. To help bring swift economic relief to these essential businesses, the James Beard Foundation launched a fund to provide microgrants to independent food and beverage businesses in need. You can donate at jamesbeard.org relief. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it is Wednesday, April 1st, 2020. This is the 246th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, we are switching things up a bit with a special show on COVID-19 and its impact on our hospitality industry with two guest interviews. My first guest is a top hospitality attorney, Bruce Bronster of Bronster LLP, who is returning to the show for the second time. And my second guest is executive chef Kwame Anuachi of Keith & Ken, a top chef and collaborator in the Independent Restaurant Coalition. First, as I do in every show, I will start out with my PR tip. And then we will have back-to-back segments with Bruce and Kwame. We may have a speed round. And I will close things out with my solo dining takeout experience this week. So as the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to have empathy. Be capable of putting yourself in someone else's shoes in order to see the world from their point of view. Now, this tip comes from my hero and the world's hero, Chef Jose Andres, who wants to feed the world in the coronavirus pandemic and all disasters through his World Central Kitchen's impactful 
disaster relief programs. And he believes in order to do so, we need to empathize with one another. Without empathy, nothing works, Jose was quoted saying in a fantastic cover story in Time Magazine last week. And back in September 2018, in a feature in the Chicago Tribune, he said, I think 51% of leadership is empathy. I believe in Jose and what he says is the truth. Empathy will make all of us better people and leaders. So let's work on it together and empathize. That's my tip today. Now, I'm happy to have my first guest here with me back for the second time. It is Bruce Bronster. He is a partner at Bronster LLP, a New York-based boutique law firm with experience in real estate, litigation, tax lien and mortgage foreclosure, hospitality, entertainment, and corporate matters. Bruce was formerly a law partner at Windows Marks Lane and Mittendorf, and he is a member of the Restaurant and Hospitality Law Committee of the Association of the Bar of the City of New York. And that's a mouthful. So welcome to the show, Bruce. Thanks so much, Ari. I, I appreciate the uh, very lengthy introduction. I was uh, prepared with some bullet points to talk about myself, but I feel there's nothing left to say. Oh, there's so much to say. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I'm joined today by one of my colleagues, uh, Alex Mink, who's been helping me on uh, all of this COVID stuff. And we in the law profession, like everybody else, has been hit with the deluge of information, misinformation, shifting uh, grounds, and um, basically desperation because, you know, when the world stops, um, you don't know what to do. And I have a friend who, um, he put it, it really, really well. He said it's like 9-11, uh, Katrina, and the 2008 meltdown all packed into one, but I think it's even worse because this is a global, this is a global pandemic. And, you know, obviously I don't, I don't want to go on, we all know about it, but um, what I'm here to do is to talk a little bit about how it relates to the hospitality industry specifically. Um, you know, I've been practicing law for 20 odd years. Um, and often there's government legislation that's been promulgated to help other, you know, hard hit industries or specific industries. And right now, uh, the restaurant and hospitality industry is arguably the largest employer in the United States with over 15 million employees. Um, it's an industry where almost all of us have worked or experienced um, the industry. And it's something that's part of our daily lives and the daily fabric. And, you know, I had one client who called me, you know, about a week ago or whenever this all hit. And he said, you, you know, I, I kept four people. I had to lay off 700 today. And, you know, yeah. basically the world stopped. And there are a couple of programs that I want to talk about that, um, have, you know, impacted our industry. And in New York City, you know, there are small loans that are available. I think they're up to $75,000, but that's not really um, the principal um, savior for now. You know, what the the biggest and best help is the CARES Act. And I kind of wanted to talk a little bit 
about, you know, what it means for all of us. I have a law firm. I have close to 40 employees. Um, and I'm trying to stay in business. I'm trying to not lay off lawyers because, you know, the courts are closed and change it together and business is basically stopped. So I'm facing the same, uh, problem that restaurants are facing. Uh, the way the CARES Act works is, and I'll just go over some kind of general points, um, because there's a lot of specific details that go way too deep for the purposes of this, um, this discussion, but the act makes loans available to business with fewer than 500 employees that have been in operation since February 15th, uh, 2020. And, you know, when I give you these general rules, there's always deviations and variations. Um, you know, the way they aggregate the 500 employees, I can get into a separate conversation, but these are the general rules. Um, there's, the businesses can apply for a maximum uh, equal to the lesser of $10 million or two and a half times the average month, monthly payroll cost for uh, 2019, okay? And the remarkable part of this program is that for the most part, these loans may be forgiven by the government or carried at a low interest rate. So. Um, actually, the lower no interest, uh, this is 4%, yeah. So the way it works is you have to file an application, and the application is done with your lender. But the program is, is funded through the SBA, the Small Business Administration. And you look at your payroll lever, levels, okay, of 2019, and the idea of the program is to bring people back to full employment. So if you hire everyone back, and you do the math and you figure you can borrow $10 million to keep everybody employed, uh, that amount will be forgiven by the government up to $10 million. And you know, I'm gonna have Alex talk a little bit about how the forgiveness works and how the math works a little bit, but I'm, I'm gonna stick with certain other high level points for a minute, okay? The maximum loan term is 10 years. There's no PG, no personal guarantee. Uh, the interest rate is 4%. Payments are deferred. Um, and there's one aspect um, of this, uh, the CARE Act, which is applicable to restaurant industries. So I want, I want Alexander, I want you to talk about that. And then I want you to talk about how the math works, and then I'll come back to some of the other issues that are affecting the health, uh, the hospitality industry. So go ahead, Alexander. Sure. So in general, um, when calculating the number of employees for businesses that may be eligible for this type of loan, that number of employees is aggregated across affiliated businesses or organizations, except with respect to the f- food services industries. So in that case. Um, if there is more than one physical location for a food service industry or a restaurant, the maximum number of employees is determined on a per location basis rather than across the entire business, which is really great. So if there is more than one location for a restaurant, it's, it's location by location. They're not aggregated. That's an exception for the, for the food services industry. Um, and the way that this loan program is a little bit different is that to the extent the loan amount for which you apply 
is used to pay payroll, salary, utilities, rent, mortgage payments, and benefits for the eight weeks after the loan is given, that amount will be forgiven by the government. So it turns that loan amount into a grant. And in, in layman's terms, what that means is that it behooves companies to maintain or rehire their pre-crisis level of employees and to maintain or increase their pre-crisis salary levels. So that um, if your monthly average payroll cost for 2019 was $100,000, but because of COVID-19, you reduced your monthly payroll cost to for everyone to $70,000, unless you raise that level again to $100,000 after receiving this loan, that $30,000 difference would be still considered a, a true loan as opposed to a grant. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense. I've, I've, um, I, I'm, I think it's, it's great. You guys are sharing all this information. Um, Bruce, did you, did you have something you wanted to add on to that? Well, yes, I, I don't want, I don't want to get too granular about the CARE Act, but I do want to talk for a few minutes about some of the other major issues that are affecting the hospitality industry. Um, there's a sort of a huge user group on WhatsApp that was, I think, initially started by Steve Kamali, um, and it's literally dozens and dozens of restaurant owners and entrepreneurs and chefs and people in the industry. And the issues that keep coming up revolve around the help that government is going to give. And the second and third issues are your relationship with your landlord or landlord-tenant lease issues. And the last issue is insurance. And they're sort of related a little bit. So some of the legal issues that people are talking about is, do I have to pay rent? Number one. Number two, is my good guy guarantee um, going to be valid or invalid or will I have to live up to it? Should I turn in the keys? And these are really tricky uh, questions in very uncharted territory. I mean, typically, uh, courts are really supportive of leases and they tend to enforce them and they tend to enforce good guy guarantees. I've litigated many of them and, you know, they're they're generally rock solid, but I don't know how the courts are going to enforce them now, number one. Number two, in leases, there are a variety of provisions, you know, namely force majeure and others, but there are a variety of provisions that say, if there's an act of God, you don't have to pay your rent. You know, an act of God that prevents you to, um, from basically using the space if the place burns down or if there's a tornado and it's wiped out. So it seems like it would be awfully silly if you, you had to pay rent on a, on a building that's called. But with COVID, there's a question as well, is this an act of God or it's just, the fact is the government ordered a shutdown of restaurants. So is it an act of God or not? Is it a force majeure or not? And the force majeure clauses in all these leases are all over the map. They're written very different, differently. Uh, for example, you know, some of them have pandemic in them and some of them don't. 
and this is a pandemic. So if that language is in there, and now it's a pandemic, that's an enforceable clause. But if it's not, it might not be uh, enforceable. Um, other force majeure clauses have government interference or government shutdown or some language that addresses government action. Some don't. So all of the leases really need to be examined closely to figure out what your what your tenant rights are. Let me ask you. Uh, let me ask you my question. I had from my last guest. I had on episode two forty five. I had on Lonnie Sweet, the CEO of the Connect Group, and I asked him to ask you a question, and it's related to this. He wants to know if you can give, can you give three tips on how chefs can look at their leases when they get back? Should they be negotiating, asking for abatements, or asking for better terms? Okay, that's a great question, and I'm going to address this really two points. One is... Any, a restaurant owner should read his or her lease, number one. That person, that owner, should give that lease to a qualified real estate attorney, number two. Because there may be very specific safeguards built into the lease. So it might be a moot point. You might have all the safeguards you need, not to pay rent. That would be fantastic. But you, need, you really need someone qualified to review the lease to figure out what you're right and responsibilities are. And I guess the, the, the next piece is once you understand where you are, um, you have to figure out what's going to happen. I don't, I, I, this is not legal advice because I don't want anyone to ever call me up and say, hey, Bruce, you told me to do this or do that. But my feeling is we have not seen the end of governmental help. And in fact, we're all out of business unless we get some rent relief from the government. And it's not what Governor Cuomo was talking about with the 90-day you know, hold. It's helpful, but it's not a panacea, and it might not even be enough. So to some extent, um, you should sit back, talk to your attorney, and let's just see where we're going, okay? A lot of, um, many landlords, um, and I'll get to the insurance part of it in a minute, but landlords are asking tenants to sign certain types of agreements and there's sort of forbearance agreements where there, you, you can forbear rent for a few months in exchange for other things. So uh, one of my clients, one of the major uh, landlords in New York is reaching out to their good clients and say, hey, don't pay your rent for three or four months and we'll extend your lease for three or four months. That might be fine if you're comfortable, the landlord's comfortable, but if the government shut down it's for six months or eight months, right. that's gonna do it for you. However, like I said, I don't believe that we've reached the end of government help, and I think we need the government help. So I think you're gonna get more uh, relief. Well, that's well, that's good. <laughs> uh, so we, we have a couple more minutes. You wanted to talk about uh, insurance? I do. You know, I think, again, when I was advising many restaurant clients, uh, both in, in, the, in this gigantic chat and, you know, in the dozens of calls that I feel that there are sort of four constituent groups around a restaurant. It's the restaurant is the tenant, the landlord is the landlord, the bank is the bank, which may, you know, hold a mortgage on the building, and you have the insurance company. 
and these there's a lot of interplay between and among these these groups. There's again, as I was talking about with lease provisions in terms of the insurance companies, there's something called business interruption insurance, and many many companies have it. Many many insurance companies have kind of gotten ahead of the curve and sent out letters saying we're not honoring business interruption insurance. We don't feel that this pandemic falls within to into the parameters of the business um, insurance uh, clauses that we have. And in fact, there's litigation out there already that's begun um, suing insurance companies. I don't. I think that is critically important for restaurants to put their insurance companies on notice through a qualified insurance attorney, not their broker, or maybe with the broker, but not strictly their broker, is to have a qualified insurance attorney review the insurance policies and put in a claim that's written in a way legally to put the tenant in the best position to get the insurance. Because I think that 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 legislation again, I don't think I think it's just going to inundate and overwhelm the courts. And if I was the federal government, I would say the government will backstop all business interruption uh, insurance policies because that way the businesses will get paid. They'll get paid with all the due diligence and uh, contractual arrangements they have with their insurance companies. But again, we're premature. We haven't seen class action suits wind their way through the courts. The courts are closed. There are many, they can't even file a lawsuit in New York Supreme. So I do think that basically sitting back and learning about your rights vis-a-vis your banking relationships and loans you might have, your landlord-tenant relationships and your relationships with your insurance and your insurance policy. That's what I, that's my general advice. Yeah, no, it's 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 good. Thank you. Um, it's it's really good, and it's uh, how do how do where can people um, get more information? Find you? Um, like, where do you advise people to go um, to get more help? Because um, this was a short interview, or we only and it's changing. It's changing every day too. You know, as you know. So, I mean, in terms of me. Um, Literally, I'm the type of lawyer that works 24-7, and of course I'm on my cell phone. I will literally give out my cell phone number to your audience, which is 646-886-2485. And I think Alexandra will give out hers as well. You go for it, Alexandra. Sure, that is 516-633-5572. And so we, we will field calls at any time. Uh, my... Law firm is Bronster, LLP, B-R-O-N-S-T-E-R, LLP. Um, my sister Marjorie Bronster has her own Bronster law firm, and she's in Hawaii, and she litigates all over the country. Um, so she and I are both experts and have groups that are experts in these landlord-tenant-type issues, these insurance-type issues, and some of the more global litigation-type issues. Um, and I think that right now, um, the SBA has a, an excellent website. Your bank, your lender, who will help you file under the CARE Act, has both an online presence, and I don't know if they're doing chat, but I think they're doing phone, um, in, uh, to, in order to help you. So those are free services 
Um, by the way, my initial calls are free as well. If we get into it deeply, I, you know, I have a very, very reduced fee because obviously we're all suffering together. But those, those are some of the resources that, um, that I can let you be aware of now. No, it's 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 great. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, Alexandra, for joining us too. I um, I mean, it's 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 a really. I mean, saying it's a tough time doesn't doesn't do it justice. Um, but we all we are all in this together, and it's it's really great to get information and know that you're there to support people on these legal issues because it's um, it's it can be confusing, and and it is well, it is confusing. So, um. But you you helped make it much much more clear, and I'm sure I'm sure I hope um, I hope you know we 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 see the the you know this we all look for the light at the end of the tunnel, and um, yeah we'll get through this. So thank you thank you Bruce and thank you Alexandra. Our pleasure, Sherry. I will I will talk to you again soon. All right, thank you, Sherry. I wish it was okay. under better circumstances, but. Uh... Always a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. No, maybe I'll have you back on a third time when we're talking about something really optimistically happy. <laughs> so, thank you. I do. I mean, we will talk about it, but I do think the future of the industry is I'm optimistic and I can't, I can't be any other way. So. Yeah, yeah, we will. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. So that was Bruce Bronster and Alexandra from his office at Bronster LLP. And um, we will take a short break and we will come back and we're going to talk with Kwame Anuachi. And uh, this is All in the Industry and Heritage Radio Network. We'll be right back. During this time, it's more important than ever to support our friends and neighbors in the restaurant industry. Restaurant Workers Community Foundation has set up a national COVID-19 crisis relief fund. The money they raise will provide direct relief to individual restaurant workers, support other nonprofits serving restaurant workers in crisis, and offer zero-interest loans for restaurants to get back up and running. Visit restaurantworkerscf.org to donate today. And if you need a little extra motivation, you can DM your $20 donation to RWCF's co-founder, John DeBerry, on Twitter, and he'll give you directions for making a signature quarantine cocktail. Donate now at restaurantworkerscf.org. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My second guest today for this special episode is Kwame Anwuachi. He is the executive chef at Keith and Kin in Washington, D.C., and a collaborator with the Independent Restaurant Coalition. Kwame I'll give, I'm going to give a little brief bio on him, as I always do. So Kwame, who was born on Long Island and raised in New York City, Nigeria, and Louisiana, was first exposed to cooking by his mother, and he took that spark of passion and turned it into a career. He trained at the Culinary Institute of America and has opened five restaurants before turning 30. 
He received numerous accolades recently too, but many of those accolades, well, some of them include the James Beard Award for Rising Star Chef, Esquire Magazine's Chef of the Year, one of Food & Wine's Best New Chefs, and a 30 Under 30 honoree by both Zagat and Forbes. He is also the author of Notes from a Young Black Chef, which was co-written with Joshua David Stein and is now being made into a movie. As a, collaborator, as a collaborator with the Independent Restaurant Coalition, he is now campaigning among an esteemed group of chefs and restaurateurs to save restaurants. So welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me. I, you know, I wish it was under better circumstances, but it's great to hear your voice and to connect and I'm, you know, I, I'm, I really want to hear about all the, the amazing efforts that you guys are putting forth um, on behalf of the Independent Restaurant Coalition. Um, I think before we get into that, it would be great to start out a bit with your background just um, in becoming a chef and, and uh, you know, just take us through your career a little bit. I know, I know that we need a longer show for that, but, um, yeah, well, yeah, there, was, you yeah. know, so thanks for having me first and foremost. I wish it was under better circumstances, but, um, you know, it, 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 these are rough times and, you know, we're doing everything that we can to, to get through it together. Um, and we can't forget where we where we started and you know what it took to get here so you know just a brief history on me you know i, I started cooking at a very young age um my uh you know mother had a catering company that she operated from the house and put me to work you know uh, when i was about five years old you know to help keep the lights on so from there you know i i really got my knack for creativity for cooking and um ventured off into my own business uh at a young age and started my own catering company uh, and i sold candy on the subway in new york city in order to, to fund that um and then i uh, started a very successful catering company um from humble beginnings you know out of out of my apartment in the projects to having my own commercial kitchen and then um, going to the Culinary Institute of America. And from there going to work at some fine dining restaurants and then opening my own restaurants, you know, that one closing, you know, small little restaurant. And then uh, I opened Kith and Kin as well as a couple fast casual restaurants. So yeah, uh, you know, it's been a long journey. Um, you know, like recently closed the doors to my 200 seat restaurant on the waterfront in Washington DC and it's heartbreaking you know I think of this this huge journey it took to get here I think of all the people that I've met along the way I think of all the young chefs that have come through my kitchen um and I don't want that you know to be in vain or you know to be forgotten so I'm hoping that you know, I'm very hopeful and optimistic that we're going to get through this. I think it's going to be a tough time, but I'm definitely worried about the small restaurants, um, you know, the immigrants that have moved here and have opened up their dream restaurant, you know, their American dream 
um, and have now been asked to close and social distance and, um, you know, don't want them to be forgotten. So that's really where, you know, IRC came from is just having this one unified voice to just fight for the restaurant industry and to help save restaurants because we're too small to fail, but also we're the backbone of the community. You know, we generate $880 billion per year in revenue. So um, it would be a shame to see us go away. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's it's all so heartbreaking and, and hard what we're what everyone's going through. And I, I know I can't imagine what it's like to have your restaurant and have to, you know, close the doors and um, and not knowing even, you know, when you're going to be able to reopen or if you're going to be able to reopen and hoping everyone can can come back from this. Um, so so with with the with IRC, um, what tell us a little about like the the team behind it and uh, what what's happened so far with your efforts, because there has been some positive news with it. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, it, it's a large team. You know, um, we have, you know, a lot of representatives from the James Beard Foundation, like Catherine Miller and Mitchell Davis. You know, we have very, very successful restaurateurs from, you know, Will Gadara to Tom Clicchio, Andrew Zimmerman, Marcus Samuelson, um, Andrew Carmelini. There's a lot of people behind the scenes working together um, to put together uh, a unified voice, you know, for the industry to fight for things that will help us short term and long term. Um, you know, I think the the CARES Act it isn't sufficient to ensure independent restaurants survive the crisis. You know, it's a it's a good step in the right direction. But, you know, right now we're in the process of heading back to Congress to fight for more um, and using our contacts and our connections to leverage um, some change within that. You know, we, we fought for unemployment to extend to four months, which we, we got, which is great, you know, and coverage for independent restaurants who began closing and laying workers off as early as February 15th, which is amazing. You know, coverage of independent restaurants up to 500 employee limit and also expanding loans to local restaurants and forgiveness to cover expenses and payroll. So like there are things that um, that we directly asked for that, that we got and there, there are also things that we didn't. And Right now, like I said, we're in the process of putting together a document um, so we can uh, really articulate what this industry needs. You know, there's a lot of voices within the IRC, um, a lot of powerful voices and a lot of people that are on the ground that have closed restaurants that have, you know, laid off hundreds of employees, you know, um, and we all need to be represented. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's... um... I've been following from your your social media campaign going on and a part of it and help trying to help. And, um, you know, I think I was I've had this moment where I'm thinking this is this is why we all learned how to do social media so we could be proactive and and help each other. Um, 
but it's uh yeah it's i mean i'm it's 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 a powerful group of people that are from our industry that are behind this and um i've i i was i was wondering in dc um like with your own i don't know your own restaurant what's happening there like did you did you consider doing delivery or um what's what's taking place there based um since that's your home restaurants closed um definitely considered it but you know we have to do what we have to do to curb this virus as uh, a nation you know and for me i mean i'm not knocking any restaurant you know i want to say that first and foremost very clear because i'm not going to speak you know for uh, i'm not going to speak for people that i haven't walked in their shoes so like i said the immigrants the mom and pops that are still open for delivery or even the restaurants that are you know well known that are open for delivery and just trying to make it for me you know personally i have 60 plus employees i have employees that are at risk i have employees that are um, elderly i have employees that have children so putting them on the metro to come an hour away um, and then exposing them to even if it's 10 employees that are in the building at once you know that are now interacting with 120 either delivery pickup people or people coming in to just receive i i I just don't see how that's helping the situation you know um i want to have staff at the end of this you know and i don't want to put anybody in danger and i want to do everything that we can to beat this virus as as a whole and as a nation yeah i hear you so how can uh how can other people help your initiative of what what you're working on other other chefs other people like me in the industry because you know when i start to i think about my show or just everyone that um i'm connected with that you're connected with we're we're all affected and in this together but how can we how can we help um you know there are many ways there's you know the james beard foundation is raising money um you can also go to saverestaurants.com to get involved, um, you can submit your email address, and they'll, you know, give you a daily briefing about like key legislative updates and like call to actions, whether it's social media or a social media toolkit, key messages and opportunities um, to speak with the media about this, you know, very very important issue. And then at the bottom there is a. Um, like no, you, you you can enter your number to call your local official um, and find your legislators, you know, and that's really, really important to know that we are united and that we're talking about this and we're serious about this. And, um, you know, we're too small to fail. Yeah, no, that it's true. And it's a great hashtag. I mean, it's, as I said, the social media campaign is, is strong and, um, it's 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 great that you know that you're out there and doing this. Um, I don't know if you want to touch on any of the of the more po- points with the CARES Act or, or any anything else that the initiatives that you guys are working on. The they're still coming together. You know, we're, we're working to like really get some clarification on the insurance policies um, on when uh, you know just some some clarification on how we're, we're getting these grants and, and how they're being allocated. Because in order to get the grants, you know, you have to, you're getting them for payroll and for rent, but we're not open right now. So we don't need payroll. You know, we need to 
pay our uh, pay our bills, you know, our our built up bills like our purveyors um, and make sure we're taking care of them as well as our rent. Um, but it, 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 within the fine print, it says that you need to hire back 90 percent of your employees and and let until the government says we can open back up, then we can't hire 90 percent of our employees. So there's things in there that we need clar- that we need clarification. And we're also still um, accumulating um, a bunch of requests and edits to this letter that we're putting together to send to Congress. So um, so there's a lot there's a lot to work on, you know, and there's a lot of work to do. But where we have feet on the ground and um, we're just pushing you know, every single day. Yeah, well, I knowing you and knowing chefs, I mean, <laughs> just you know, it's a strong industry, and people are are hard workers and work hard. And I'm, I, I think, um, you know, I think um, having the collection of voices together and the unity is is so important. And it's it's it just seems well, it didn't seem it did it came together all very quickly and. Um, almost seemed like kind of seamlessly how these how your group formed and some other initiatives, you know, because I think we all we we all want to help. We all want to, you know, save our industry. Yeah. I mean, you know, the more we unite as a community, the more power we'll have. And we're more similar than we are different. And we're finding that out more more than ever. Um, you know, this this industry is the backbone of our nation and um we can't let any restaurant fail you know um i don't want to i want to see all of us come back strong so you know that's why i'm I'm proud to be a part of this coalition um you know and i am optimistic that we'll we'll get through this um and we'll be more united at the end of it yeah no, that's that's it's true. I think you know, but they say uh, tragedy doesn't unite people or brings people closer. Um, and I want to come back to DC and dine at your restaurant again. Ah, <laughs> I want to cook in my restaurant. Company and- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, we'll we'll get through this. We'll get through this. It's gonna be it'll be tough. It's tough, but we will. Um, I thought just to to add a little a little light into my show, um, we could play my speed round game if you're up for it. Yeah, definitely. All right, cool. So what this is is I'm gonna name uh, two or more things and give you a choice, and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. Okay. Okay. So here we go. Eat in or eat out? Oof. Right now, eat out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, fucking meal. <laughs> <laughs> Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail, or even champagne? Uh, cocktail. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Mm, communal table. 
tipping or all-inclusive charge? <laughs> Man. All-inclusive <laughs> all charge. Okay. How about chicken, cheesesteak, or confit chicken wings? I'm picking these up from the menu that I know, I know, I think you've closed, right? I did. I did. I did. Well, I just ordered a cheesesteak and it, it just arrived on Postmates. So I'm going to go with cheesesteak. Okay. Sounds good. Mm hmm. How about competing on TV or writing a memoir? Writing a memoir. Yeah, your memoir is amazing and I have been reading it so oh, it's really it, yeah it's 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 a great read everyone should should get it notes from a young black chef thank you you're welcome um two more cheese plate or dessert cheese plate definitely last one cheese plate definitely and last one is manhattan brooklyn or washington dc well i'm from the bronx so we would have to say the bronx if i can that's the game. All right. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah. Well, um, as I said, you know, at the beginning of the show, I, I, you know, it's really just, it's great to connect with you and hear your voice. And, um, I, I'm, you know, I just want to say you're doing an incredible job and I think I'm noticing and everyone's noticing the work you guys are putting in. So um, keep it up and I will give your information at the end of the show. But if you want to um, give any give, give any more information, I'm happy to share it uh, more with our guests. All right. Well, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Um, Thanks for having me on. I will talk to you soon. Thank you for joining me. And if you need anything, you know where to find me. Okay. Sounds good. All right. All right. Thanks, Tommy. You're Take welcome. care. Take care. And we're going to take one more break and we will come back and I will have my solo dining experience. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Restaurants employ over 15 million people nationwide, and two-thirds of all restaurants are independently owned and not part of big chains. Yet, currently, these small businesses are not represented in government relief negotiations. Roar is working to change that by fighting for relief opportunities for all restaurants. Roar is advocating for an eight-point plan in New York State that will allow restaurants to reopen and rehire when the time comes. Dozens of industry leaders have signed onto this plan, like Namwa Tea Parlor, Field Trip, Momofuku, and many more of your favorites. You can join them at change.org by searching for Roar, relief opportunities for all restaurants. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it's time for my solo dining experience. This week, it's the takeout version, and it's at Bread's Bakery. 
Here's the rundown. The location, 1890 Broadway at 64th Street, Lincoln Center, NYC. The concept, New York bakery dedicated to producing artisanal handmade breads using traditional baking methods, which also bakes sweet and savory items and has a full cafe menu with salads, sandwiches, and more. The owner, Gaddy Peleg. So why did I do takeout? Well, because I've been staying home, but I needed to get out and get some fresh air and was feeling I could use some fresh bread and treats, and I wanted to support a business that supported me. So my experience um, was, uh, I think, two nights ago, I, uh, I, I ordered from, from Bread's Bakery through their website. Uh, about 10 minutes after my order um, went through, and it was very easy. Their, their system was very easy to use. Um, but 10 minutes later, uh, a Bread's employee called me and just told me they were out of a couple things they, uh, they didn't have. So I said it was fine. I didn't, I didn't end up getting anything else. I just stuck with what they had. Um, and they were closing at seven. So I went over there sometime, um, around six 30. I, and I picked up, I picked up my to go order and it was, um, you know, the storefront was empty. Uh, but the two employees there were there and they warmly greeted me and they had my order ready to go. So it was pretty, pretty easy pickup. Um, and you know, on my way home, I was, uh, I was I, I did a little walk around the block and then right at seven o'clock, all of a sudden I knew it was seven o'clock because New Yorkers started clapping and cheering out of their windows, which they've been doing every night since March twenty seventh. It's an initiative to clap because we care uh, for our essential workers. And it was just the city has been so quiet and Having that moment, all of a sudden, everyone started clapping, and I then knew what time it was. Um, it was, it was, it was nice. I just have to say, it was nice. And I came home, and I had my my dinner. So, what did I get? I initially ordered a poppy challah, hummus, a salmon roll, and chocolate babka. Um, so they were out of the hummus and salmon. Um, the hummus I was going to have with my, I have these amazing. Uh, fresh carrots that came from Farmer Lee Jones of the Chef's Garden, and I have all this produce, so I didn't want to overorder. I figured I'd have the hummus with that and um, pair it with some roasted chicken I had. Um, so I didn't have that, but I had the the challah, and um, which which was uh, which was great. Um, I you know I had it just with butter, and I also had these carrots I had made these tahini glazed carrots instead um and the, the roast chicken I had um and then I uh, obviously saved room for dessert um I had the bread's fabulous babka uh, their chocolate babka, which you know it's it's definitely something I'm eating for a couple of days now, as well as the bread, because, uh, you know, both of these things were things I, I decided to get just to have in house and, um, they were delicious. I love breads. Um, everything is always fresh and awesome. So the ambiance was the comfort of my own home. I'd say it's perfect for everyone from morning to early evening for, to get breads. Um, interesting tidbit. So breads, 
original location opened in 2012 on East 16th Street by Union Square. They also have a kiosk at Bryant Park, and they have a special Passover menu now that people can order from anyone who's celebrating next week. So personal fun fact, Bread's was one of our host summit plus social sponsors, and they were they they provided us with the most amazing breakfast and lunch spreads, and I'm so grateful. So thank you, Gotti and team. Um, the cost of my meal was $24. That's including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes. And their website is breadsbakery.com. So that is the show. Um, big thanks to Bruce Bronster, partner at Bronster LLP, and Alexandra Mink, who joined him. Um, their website is bronsterllp.com, and you can follow Bruce at Bruce Bronster at Bronster LLP. I'd also like to thank my second guest, Kwame Anwuachi. He's the executive chef of Keith and Kin and a collaborator with the Independent Restaurant Coalition. Their websites are saverestaurants.co and Keith and KinDC.com and on social media at Chef Kwame Anwuachi at INDP Restaurants and their hashtag is Save Restaurants. You can find me on social media at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My website's BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at heritageradionetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Next week, I am going to be speaking with Elizabeth McCall of Woodford Reserve and continuing to cover COVID-19. So I hope you'll tune in then. Thanks to my awesome engineer, Amanda Wang. And thanks again to Bruce, Alexandra, and Kwame. I'm Sherry Bayer. Everyone, be safe, be well, and thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. I'm Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, HRN is celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.